Educators for Social Justice is a grassroots, teacher-led professional development group located in St. Louis, Missouri. We believe that educators are public intellectuals who gain strength and wisdom through working with other educators, parents, and members of the community. Our mission is to develop and support socially just, equitable, and sustainable practices in schools and communities. The ESJ podcast seeks to provide authentic voice for educators who are doing social justice work in classrooms, schools, and communities. We celebrate a diverse group of teachers and students by discussing their successes, struggles, and visions in effectively implementing social justice education. We invite you to listen and challenge yourself to think about how your work can connect to social justice. Today we welcome Jessica Jones to the show. Jessica is a non-binary educator and activist specializing in contemporary literacies and LGBTQ justice. They have served as an educator in various capacities for 10 years, with most of their career spent as a high school language arts, arts teacher. Early in their teaching career, Jessica observed the numerous barriers that queer and transgender students face within our education system and was inspired to challenge these inequities through both student advocacy and youth empowerment. It is Jessica's strongly held belief that our work towards a socially just education system must include unconditional support and inclusion of our LGBTQ plus youth. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jessica. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here and to share with us um, on a topic that I hold dear. Um, so I'm going to give you a couple moments just to share in your own words, um, your work, uh, your role, your passion around this work and supporting students. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So like you said, I've worked in education for a number of years in a variety of capacities. Um, most of the time was spent in high schools. I did teach and work in higher education for a couple years, but really my focus has been on high school aged youth. Um, I have a personal interest in this topic, obviously, being queer and trans myself, um, but I have noticed in my trans students that they're also um, trying to overcome barriers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that a lot of other students don't have to face. Yeah. And it's, it's an issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so um, talk more about um, in your own experience and connecting with students um, who may share some of those that same experiences, what does that look like in the education space uh, for you? So if you can talk more about um, how you came to the space of in wanting to ensure that, that, that you're an advocate and an ally and that students have this support. Absolutely. So I strongly believe in, and I'm driven by the idea that we need to be the adult that we needed as a kid. Mm. So in my own experience growing up, I did not have an adult that I felt like I could turn to, mm. um, for, which looked like for myself when I first came out, um, I was bullied, which is, I hate to say the norm for a lot of mm -hmm. our queer and trans youth. Um, the bullying escalated and I didn't have an adult to turn to mm -hmm. and that eventually turned to an assault and I, again, had no one to turn to. So I see these same things happening in my own students mm -hmm. at an alarming rate. Yeah. And I want to change that both for myself and by having conversations with other educators on things they can do and implement in their schools to protect and support our queer youth. Mm -hmm. 
Um, are you in the classroom right now? Not currently. Um, I most recently taught with St. Louis Public Schools. Mm-hmm. However, I've taught all over. I've taught out of state in the yeah. greater St. Louis area. Um, I'm currently doing youth services and outreach through our public library system. Nice, which I love. nice. I love the library. Yes. St. Louis, St. Louis too has like, I think one of the best library systems. Like, yeah. Oh, it's excellent. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Okay. So for our listeners outside of St. Louis and the U.S., if you can situate your perspective in the current uh, education landscape of our our region. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a lot of excellent work being done in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. I have to say that because, you know, I feel like too often Mm -hmm. St. Louis is painted very one-dimensionally. Yeah, yeah. You know, painted as a sad picture. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we do have our issues, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But there's excellent work being done by both organizations and individuals in the education realm. Mm However, <laughs> um, there's, a, it. Yes. <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I feel like St. Louis is a classic example of the failings of uh, Brown versus Board of Education. Mm. Um, just with the disparities, we see the white flight, um, the lack of resources within the city mm-hmm. that are still in slow decline. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation with a couple educator friends over the past couple weeks, and one of them gave a great analogy Um, comparing our schools to food deserts. So food deserts, for folks that don't know, is, you know, it's an area where people can't access fresh produce, healthy foods. It's really barren as far as access to food. So for folks that don't have transportation Mm -hmm. or means, they don't have access to that food. So likewise, with this analogy, um, there's a lot of young people who don't have access to neighborhood schools mm-hmm. like they used to. Now, you know, with the privatization of education, they're being bussed out. Mm-hmm. Um, our neighborhood schools, in some ways, are dying a slow death. Yeah. Um, they're declining in number. They're being shut down left and right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's and a what does that mean situation. for the community, right? Right. So how does exactly. That then, um, kind of the tentacles uh, and the the kind of ripple effect to the community. What does that mean? when there is no school. When there is no school, there is no community. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how do you see your work uh, to ensure students who identify under the LGBTQ plus umbrella as a a disruption in education, if at all? It is absolutely a disruption. (laughs) (laughs) You can ask my colleagues. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely causes ripples. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so I believe strongly in the idea that we need to be accomplices, not allies. Mm. So Say we need more to, about that. So accomplice sounds, you know, kind of like a dirty word, like, you know, you're a bad guy. Mm. But really what you're doing is you're interrupting these systems of oppression that those are the real bad guys, the things that are causing students to not have equitable opportunities. Mm-hmm. So you might be framed as the bad guy for speaking out or... Mm-hmm. Um, standing up for students, but really you're doing the good work. Yeah. So I think in that way, it's definitely a disruption whenever yeah. I speak out and for students. Mm-hmm. What have uh, been the co- consequences of that? Oh, gosh. So I will give an example um, from one school that I taught at, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're going to conceal the identity for protection of students. Yeah. And, um, so at one school, I was approached by a student who wanted to start a GSA, which mm-hmm. is a Gender Sexuality Alliance, mm-hmm. and I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The school didn't have anything like that. There were no resources in the community for those students, so I was completely on board. Um, I presented this idea to the administrator of the school, who completely shut it down, yeah. was not on board, said it was 
too much. It, uh, parents would be uncomfortable and would not let us. Mm. So we did some research, the student and I, and found the Equal Access Act, which states that any non-curricular club must be permitted at a school if there's other non-curricular clubs. Boom. Right. So <laughs> in order to tell us no, the principal would have to shut down all other non-curricular clubs. Nice. Right. <laughs> so we went to the school board with this, and, you know, it's a federal law, so their hands are tied with it. They had to let us do this. Mm-hmm. Um However, it took us the entire school year to finally get a space because it was just, you know, excuses like, oh, we don't have a space for it. Just trying to find other loopholes to Mm -hmm. prevent us from meeting as Mm -hmm. a group. Mm -hmm. Um, For myself professionally, um, I went from being so uh, where I was teaching at, we had a uh, teacher scoring system on a scale of one to four with four being excellent. One being you're horrible. Go back Mm -hmm. to school. (laughs) Um, the first semester of that year, before all of this started, I was a three and four ranked teacher consistently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after all of this happened, somehow I ended up as a one or a two on all of my evaluations. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I was asked to resign from my position. I was actually pulled into a off-record meeting where I was told that I could either resign peacefully or it would be made that I could never teach ever again. Wow. They would pull my licensure. Hmm. Uh, being the person I am, that did not stop me. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So uh, we fought. We finally yeah. had one meeting that entire school year, which really sucked. But, I mean, with everything that we had fought for that school year, just having that one meeting was yeah. a huge victory. For and sure. we had about 50 students mm-hmm. show up, which um, percentage-wise of the entire school, we had only – I think 200 students or so at the yeah. entire school so oh, that, wow. was, that was huge right huge. so it was a big celebration yeah. um it was it was beautiful so I feel like even though it was a long battle it was ultimately a victory yeah. for both myself and students I let yeah. them lead the way on a lot of it absolutely which was really awesome to see yeah so then that was your final year with that school it was yeah okay yes. okay Interesting. We're going to have have to have an offline conversation <laughs> outside of this podcast. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so many questions, so many things to say. And so many um, connections, I think. So even before we went on um, online with, with this conversation, I was just kind of sharing, you know, just my experience of being pushed out in the organization. Um, for speaking truth and for holding folks accountable and for standing up for uh, my belief in what was socially just. And so, um, you know, that's that's another episode, I think. Right. Oh, we could <laughs> talk for like. a long time on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I get it. I totally get it. Some folks Uh-oh. don't like accountability. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> so given that, then what what do you, what opportunities would you say um, educational institutions have to operate from this model um, and with this mindset? Absolutely. So, I strongly feel that we need to be operating from a proactive mindset and not a reactive mindset. Mm-hmm. So, I see far too often that we're not having discussions about queer and transgender students and how laws and um, barriers affect them until something happens. Yeah. We're not really providing any professional development or training, um, anything like that for our teachers and administrators. They really don't know what to do until they're presented with an issue. Mm -hmm. So that's more reactive. What I envision is something more proactive where we're giving teachers the tools Mm -hmm. to be able to include and support their students unconditionally. 
so what giving teachers tools what does that look like are these um in your your uh, opinion experience and thoughts is this um, workshops is it you know online resources to access what does this look like I think it could look like a number of things. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of online resources out there. Mm -hmm. um, for folks who don't know of them, check out GSA Network, um, GLSEN, um, ACLU. Uh, there's a ton of teacher-specific resources out there um, to help teachers integrate LGBTQ topics into their mm -hmm. curriculum. Mm -hmm. Also, best practices for including students in the classroom, so mm -hmm. things that teachers normally don't think about, like um, the harms that can come from just reading names off the roster. Like mm. that seems like to a lot of teachers like For a sure. harmless thing. You know, first day of school, you get in front of the room, you call off names on the roster. But what do you do when your roster says that there's a boy named Corey in your class and mm -hmm. when you call their name, a girl named LaShonda raises her hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's incredibly damaging. And I think if teachers are aware of just those minor changes they can make like that in their rooms, it's, that makes a huge impact yeah. in the small details. Yeah. And it's an opportunity for um, not just that one-on-one -on -one interaction between the teacher and that students and the relationship and community that that builds, but then that's also an opportunity for the entire class and that community building and learning um, and hopefully the school and the district and so on and so forth. So exactly. Absolutely. Um, so uh, other best practices, um, you would say, for teachers to ensure that queer and transgender students feel safe, included, and welcome in schools? Absolutely. Um, so one is to never assume students' gender or sexual or romantic orientation. Mm. I think we have in our heads this this image of what it looks like to be trans or what it looks like to be gay or Absolutely. lesbian, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but that's really not the case. You yeah. know, there's a lot of folks out there that are read as a woman but may identify very differently or mm -hmm. use different pronouns mm -hmm. or they just, they don't look like your, you know, whatever image you mm -hmm. might have in your head. Mm -hmm. So making sure that we're not making assumptions about students is incredibly important. Um, my background is in teaching English, so I think another thing is learning to use they, them pronouns. So, pronouns, yes. Yes, so all my grammar lovers out there, English teachers looking at you, just, <laughs> just, you're finding losing battle, they, them, mm -hmm. <laughs> they are singular pronouns, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, language is evolving. So embrace it. Embrace it. <laughs> Educate yourself. Get with it. Exactly. <laughs> um, on that same note, avoid gendered language. So something that bothers a lot of trans and queer students is saying things like, hey, ladies, hey, you guys. And again, these are things that, you know, they don't have malintent behind them. For sure. But the impact that they have on students is incredibly harmful. Mm -hmm. So avoiding that gender language. Um, also, avoiding separating groups into boys and girls. Because for non-binary folks, that is a horrible experience. And I can say from my personal experience, um, I can think all the way back to first grade when yeah. teachers were doing that. And that was before I really had the language yeah. and yeah. knowledge uh, to identify myself as non-binary. Yeah. I felt so uncomfortable. I didn't know why. You didn't know why, but yeah. It's right. Like where do I fit? Exactly. Right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. avoid uh, categorizing. So, you know, for trivia games, a lot of times mm -hmm. teachers like to do boys versus girls mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. just don't. Don't do that. Just don't. <laughs> There's more creative ways to separate students into teams. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, another tip would be to provide representation in both curriculum and classroom media. So queer and trans people are everywhere. Uh, we're out here accomplishing amazing things and we always have been. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what content area you're in, even math and science folks, you can find queer and trans people to include in your curriculum. Mm -hmm. And regardless of like, oh, the, this is new. No. Oh. We've always been here. We like <laughs> You all are just no. now noticing. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we okay. are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So I also want to add on that same note, um, diversity isn't enough. Mm -hmm. So just ticking off a box that, oh, hey, look, here's a gay person and the curriculum is not enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's very gross and tokenizing. Mm -hmm. No one appreciates that. Um, so making sure that we're uh, providing a variety of representations yeah. and and making sure they're positive ones too. Mm -hmm. Like queer and trans folks don't want to just hear stories about all the horrible things that we go through because right. we're very aware mm -hmm. of that fact that we get stared at when we mm -hmm. go out, that using the bathroom is a huge ordeal. Mm -hmm. So making sure that we also have stories in our classrooms that show queer and trans folks just doing normal things yeah. like going to prom or, <laughs> or existing. <laughs> right existing wow how novel <laughs> um so yeah having yeah. those positive stories is mm -hmm. um awesome too and mm -hmm. then another trend that i've seen is also for folks who have gotten better about representation mm -hmm. and curriculum and media um there's also instances of where we're not being inclusive of other identities and mm -hmm. now we're cutting off people who exist at other intersections mm -hmm. so we might have representation of queer folks, but you know, you look at it and it's all maybe gay white men. Yeah, got it. <laughs> so we're ignoring, yeah. you know, people who are maybe people of color or disabled or yeah. people who exist at those other intersections mm -hmm. that are really important. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you're doing great by including queer folks, but let's talk about some of these other issues too. Yeah. So avoiding whitewashing. Once again, those. another podcast. Right. <laughs> another conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would also add becoming familiar with queer and trans students' rights. Mm -hmm. So I gave the example That's earlier good. of being familiar with the Equal Access Act. That was something that I had never heard of before, but just knowing that simple law became mm -hmm. so powerful in that fight um, that was ongoing for us. Um, also becoming familiar with um, bathroom mm -hmm. rights. You know, I mm -hmm. think all over the country, bathroom bills are popping up everywhere. Yeah. So staying on top of that and how that applies to yeah. students. Mm -hmm. And that's also an area to be disruptive. You know, I was at a school where we did not have a gender-inclusive gender bathroom, so I gave my trans students my staff bathroom key, yeah. which, you know, is a disruption and against policy but you know to that student that was that was everything that was everything mm -hmm. and you know it's not an exaggeration to say that some of these things are life or death mm -hmm. for students mm -hmm. you know, just Absolutely. that feeling of affirmation and having a safer space just to use the bathroom mm -hmm. things that we don't we take for granted absolutely absolutely yeah yeah oh that was good so again um, I am going to include some of these um, highlights, things that you've shared, best practices, things that we need to be doing and thinking about in the show notes as well. Um, talk about what's next for you. Because I know you're, you're not me. in the classroom space right now. You're working, uh, doing some work and outreach with um, the library system. Um, and what? What's next for you? Oh, gosh. I feel like I never truly have a what's next. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like I've tried that approach yeah, and it just never works out, you know? So um, really, I just see myself in broad ter- terms, um, continuing with literacy education, whether that's in the classroom or mm-hmm. more non-conventional ways, like mm-hmm. you know, in a library setting. I always see myself working with youth. So I think, you know, I'm just going to continue along that vein and whatever that looks like. Right now it looks like youth services through the library Mm -hmm. may end up being teaching in the classroom again. Yeah. It's really open-ended, but I know no matter what, I'm going to be following that passion. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So uh, final thoughts for our listening community? What uh, would you want to leave uh, folks with who are listening and, you know, attempting to learn and and really engage in this work? What, what What would be your final thoughts? So first and foremost, those of you that are interested in doing the work, I appreciate you. You are very much needed. Um, And I really want to emphasize to folks that this really truly is life or death for Mm. students. I feel like, you know, a lot of us that advocate for LGBTQ plus rights, we're seen as a nuisance, we're being sensitive, um, but really this is our lives and that's not something to be taken lightly. there's research and statistics that indicate that trans individuals, ha- um, 50% of them have attempted suicide at mm-hmm. some point in their life. Um, LGBT um, youth are five times more likely to be depressed, and mm-hmm. those rates go up for individuals who exist at intersections. Mm-hmm. So if they're disab- disabled or a person of color, those rates only go up from there. Yeah. So this really truly is life or death, and just those small changes that you make in your classroom and to your language mm-hmm. can really make and break it for for your students. For your students, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was a heavy note to end on, but that's to say that, you no, know, you might think that you don't yeah. make a difference, but you really do, mm. even if it's just one student, you know, you're yeah. changing their life. You really are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Again, I, I think I can go on and on and on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's um, a lot to say. There's a lot to say around this, um, but I think we're going to leave it there again a lot of what was shared resources information will be shared in the show notes um i thank you so much for joining us today um and sharing your perspective and um what is necessary and needed for our students um uh, around this around this conversation um so thanks again to you our listeners for joining and tuning in today uh please visit educatorsforsocialjustice.org for upcoming educators for social justice events and to stay up to date Join us next time on the Educators for Social Justice podcast.